Hey friend, are you looking for a way to reignite the spark in your marriage? Well, I've got some really good news for you. Jeff and I are going to host a free virtual date night on March 14th at 7 p.m. And this is going to be a place where you can discover practical tools with the Enneagram so that you can really understand one another, right? Like we all need that. Well, this 90 minute event, we're going to explore the power of the Enneagram with the gospel to help your marriage flourish. And how are we going to do that? Well, we've got something new and unique with the Enneagram called the relational dance. We help you to understand why your spouse thinks, feels, and does certain things and how to navigate that dance together. So reserve your free ticket now at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night. You are not going to want to miss this. Trust me, you're going to gain so much more clarity than you ever thought imaginable. Get your ticket at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night. And we cannot wait to see you there. Hey guys, this is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, welcome everyone back to our podcast. We're so excited to let you know that our podcast is now on YouTube. So definitely check us out there and click the like button on this video and then subscribe to our channel for weekly episodes. And today we are continuing our conversation on the amazing type of type nines, (laughs) my type, the peaceful accommodators. And today we have two special guests that are type nines that are going to give you uh, their experiences and their thoughts um, from the lens of a type nine. And that's going to be so helpful. Now, remember, we're going to be sharing about the type nine's core motivations and their Enneagram internal profile parts. Now, we don't want to put all type nines in the same box. And when we kind of look at each person and how they use their EIP, what we'll recognize is that we are unique in our own right, though we have the same core motivations. And we have different um, history, we have different likes and preferences, gifts and talents. But we also want to take note of how these EIP parts show up in similar but also surprisingly different ways. So Beth, can you give us a brief description of what EIP is for those who might be new to it? Yeah, so God is focusing on our heart condition. And that's one reason why we really enjoy using the Enneagram, because it brings awareness and clarity to where our heart is. And is it aligned, misaligned, or out of alignment with the truth of the gospel at any given moment? Now, EIP, Enneagram Internal Profile, helps us to understand the various parts of our heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, we all have different parts. And we say things like, well, part of me wants to do this, but part of me doesn't. And well, part of me thinks it's this way, but part of me thinks it's that way. We constantly have these different competing thoughts within us. And so we use different parts within us that make up not just one whole part, your main type, but we have these other parts of us that come in alignment with that main part to support it. But it's all focused on the core motivations of our main type, which is so important. Now, the biggest thing to recognize is, is our main type aligned or misaligned? When it's misaligned, what you're going to find from that main type is what we call the wounded child. And it's reacting to the world from that wounded perspective. And it's trying its best to help us, but it's ill-equipped. 
But we also have what's called the beloved child, and this is the spirit-led self that is focusing on who we are and whose we are. And the overflow of that is a healthy connection with all of our parts and in our relationships. So this lets us know that we have our main type with the wounded child and the beloved child, those two parts, plus four other parts, which are our wings and our Enneagram paths. So you have two wings and then those two lines that are connected to two types. Now, they also will show up either in misaligned or in um, aligned ways, depending on whether the wounded child or your beloved child is currently active in the moment. So what we're hoping as through this discussion that you're going to become more aware of your current heart condition. Because when your wounded child is leading, you're going to notice that it brings less healthy tendencies and then there's going to be negative consequences for yourself and your relationships. But by being aware of what's going on, so let's say we're struggling, we're driving off course, we're, we're not doing well, we can be aware of that without shame and condemnation. We can actually surrender and depend and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to bring our beloved child back into the lead and to guide the rest of our parts. And this is so important to get us back into alignment with the gospel. So today on the show, uh, we have some special guests. Uh, First off is Darina Williamson, and she loves the power of good story and writes has written a, a variety of different children's books that adults need as well. She is the best-selling author of Colorful, A Celebration Place, Crowned with Glory, The Story of Juneteenth, which releases in May 2022, and Brown Baby Jesus, which also releases in September 2022. And she and her husband, Dr. Chris Williamson, planted a multi-ethnic church, Strong Tower Bible Church, in 1995, and they have four teenage and adult children. You can go and find out more about her at DarinaWilliamson.com. Uh, you can find her on Instagram. So welcome to the show, Darina. We're so glad you're here with us. Oh, it's a joy to converse with both of you again. I look forward to this. Yes. Awesome. Well, and the funny, the fun thing is that we used to live in the same neighborhood. We moved, you know, just, you know, about 15 minutes away, but uh, it was such a fun honor to have you and Chris so close by. So thanks for coming. Our next guest is now Michael. Tell me, Beth and I have a debate on how to pronounce your last name. <laughs> oh, let's let's hear it. Uh, I'm uh, I've been a Shehan, but I've there's been. not an e at all in right. there. What I've are been. you? There's Shahan? not Shahan. Which one is it? Well, neither one of you are correct. Unfortunately, <laughs> Shehan. Shehan. <laughs> yes, yes, wow. yes, yes. That's but so I also don't blame you because I mean, it's nobody ever gets it the first time. Well, <laughs> what, what kind of name is Shehan? It's Irish. Irish. That, okay. Yeah, that makes yep. sense. Oh, totally get well, that now. Okay, my maiden name <laughs> is Fitzy, spelled P-F-U-E-T-Z-E. So I totally get wow. it. No one ever got but it. Nobody, no one ever got no. it. The, the best part of that was growing up was my dad would say, if somebody calls and asks for us and says our last name wrong, yes, hang up know. because they don't know yes. us. It was kind of like a cool like gatekeeping <laughs> Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Yes. How funny is that? Well, Michael is a full-time licensed and practicing therapist with particular expertise in the Enneagram. He is a personal Enneagram coach and consultant and the course author of Enneagram for Therapist and course co-author of Polyvagal Theory and the Enneagram. Uh, You can find him on Instagram at Michael Shahan. Dang it. (laughs) 
did it so again. Close. You did it right. Hey, you're right. Shahan? You did it right. Shay Han. You started. Shay-han. You corrected yourself when you were already man. right. Oh, man. Okay. Shay. Like, if you of- go and search somewhere and you spell his last name as S-H-A-H-A-N uh, space therapy, you'll be able to find Michael <laughs> on Instagram. That's so good. <laughs> There's some great content there. You can yes. also find him on Facebook, Facebook at Michael Shahan therapy. <laughs> I've never, I've I've never seen you. Oh, man, I, I don't. I, this is really bad, guys. I, I feel like. <laughs> But you can also go to his website at michaelshahan.com. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for coming. And so before we dive in um, and kind of really hear from you guys, I'm just going to kind of recap the type nine so that others can get a feel for our uh, personality style and our viewpoints and core motivations. And then once I'm done, I'd just love to hear like what stood out the most to you as I was kind of referencing the type nine and why. So Type nines, the peaceful accommodators, are easygoing, they're pleasant, calm, um, and they're always willing to accommodate, but they don't really want to be bothered. We really like our independence and autonomy. <laughs> um, when life and um, circumstances kind of interrupt our peaceful state, we'll try our best to accommodate, to hopefully make everyone feel good, get everything calmed back down. Um, but ultimately, all we want is that calm, full, peaceful, harmonious state. Um, now, we really don't express our feelings and desires for several reasons. Um, one is because we don't want conflicts or discord. We don't want to assert ourselves and make it seem like we know it all or we have the right answer. We're willing to go along to get along. But we have a core fear, and that fear is conflict, tension of any kind, discord, feeling shut out, overlooked, and definitely losing connection with others. But our core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. But you're going to find us having a core weakness of sloth. Now, sloth doesn't mean physical laziness, though I'm sure Michael and Dorena, they can chime in and say, yes, we do like our cozy comforts. Um, but sloth here really means that we're remaining in some kind of un- unrealistic or idealistic world so that we can keep the peace. So we're going to remain that easygoing, uh, not disturbing anyone, uh, not definitely wanting to disturb anything remotely close to our anger that's kind of inside, but we, won't, we don't want to know that. Um, so what we do is we fall asleep to our passions, abilities, and needs while merging with others, hoping that we can just keep the peace. But we have a core longing, a message that our heart longs to hear, and it, that is for us to hear your presence matters. Now, the many strengths that us nines have is that we're non-judgmental, we're accepting, caring, easygoing, and adaptable. You're going to see us being incredible listeners. Because we are receptive to others, and we're willing to comfort others right where they're at without judgment, which makes us great mediators because we can see all nine types from their vantage point and understand them, which makes us really empathetic and compassionate. And nines, though, we have our strengths, uh, we do have our weaknesses. <laughs> we can be really sensitive to criticism and can take lots of things personally. We can feel confused, unclear about our desires and our purpose, which makes us kind of not have initiative. We sometimes don't have drive or passion, makes us kind of just want to numb out and withdraw. And we can definitely get overwhelmed and shut down. But what I love is that when we can take the time to honor who God has created us to be, what you'll find is that we will show up. 
We will know our gifts, our passions, and our desires. You're going to see these amazing abilities pour forth to others, and others are going to be blessed by all of the wealth of information, passion, um, uh, tenderness that we have, and the wealth of information. And what you're going to find is that we can bring a deeper sense of peace and harmony while we're also pointing others back to Christ. So, Darina and Michael, chime in when you want. What stood out to you um, when I was going through that description? You know, it. I, I had to laugh, to be <laughs> honest, because when I when I read the line, um, this hides the fact that they want independence and autonomy not to be bothered so they can experience inner peace. I was like, oh, that's why. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, my mind quickly filed back to, you know, being a preacher's kid and a family with five children, there was not a lot of um, autonomy. I mean, you know, it was just, a large family mm-hmm. and a, a family full of talkers and we always had people over. And I, I mean, I, I honestly love that. I love the heritage and I love the gift. So many things that I gleaned from that, but I was always that child that would sneak away. And my mother still teases about it to this day that I would sneak away. Like I would do the perfunctory hello and polite whatever. And then I would slip away to go read or just, so even as a child without knowing my type or any of this, I craved in the midst of a, a, a busy, active, um, highly communicable family. I craved, you know, that that solitude that wasn't hard, wasn't easy to find sharing a room with siblings yes. and all those things. Yes. And then fast forward to being a first lady and having four children. They're not little anymore, but certainly that was not I didn't trade my upbringing for a life where it would be easy to to find and carve out those places. And certainly when you're parenting, so often you like you wish you could run and hide from your kids sometimes. Yes. But mm-hmm. you know, you have those responsibilities. <laughs> right? it's, it's very conflicting for the nine because oh. we want connection with others. We want um mm. relationship and yet mm-hmm. we don't want to be bothered. Yes. And so there's this big yes. conflict that happens inside. Michael, what about you? Yes. Um I mean a lot of those descriptions stuck out to me, but the thing that I love that the, the, your description of sloth, the sort of remaining in unrealistic and idealistic world. It's very like, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like I can be naive at times. Like people wouldn't really do that to each other. People wouldn't actually like take advantage of other people. Like people would do, people would <laughs> right? do that, like wanting sure. to believe that and yes. not wanting to be upset about that. It does happen. And, um, becoming a therapist and thinking it would be just making everybody happy with each other, but realizing it meant facing a lot of the difficult things mm-hmm. that happened and the things is just, it was a hard, it was a difficult transition for me and to be able to see that and stay seeing that, um, that piece of sloth that sticks out. And also just that whole falling asleep to my passions, abilities, needs. It's just seems so much easier to just like, ah, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work to really pay attention to that. That seems like a lot of effort. Uh, I'll just let somebody else do it. Right. Like that's just this posture that it's so easy yeah. to sink into. Yes. It's so easy. Well, and we talked in the last episode because we went kind of uh, through the type nine without the panel. And because I'm a type nine, I shared a lot of examples. And with your Enneagram coach, and I love to hear how this has been true for you guys, um, both in your careers, because you guys have both, of, both uh, set out to... Uh, plow a path for what you're doing Mm -hmm. for me your enneagram coach one it took about a decade to even start and that was really Mm -hmm. god kind of putting me in a corner financially and a lot of other things and i was like oh something's gotta happen and then my passion grew and then i went for it but um but so much in me 
wanted to because Jeff was also doing a nonprofit at the time. I wanted to here let let's let's just put it YEC under your nonprofit. I'll just mm-hmm. follow mm-hmm. your lead. And he was thankfully um, he said no. You know, and at first it kind of felt like oh that hurt my feelings. You know, but he knew. Mm-hmm. I have a voice and I have a passion and I need to get out there and do my thing because it's important. Um, so I'm very thankful for that, but that was also hard. So for you guys, I know that you're both um, spearheading different things. What has that been like for you? Cause it's exhausting for us nines to spearhead daily. It's not like just a one-time mm. thing. What is it like for you guys to spearhead where you're at right now? And what does that feel like? We'll be back after a quick break. Hey friend, let's imagine a date night where everything changes for you and your spouse. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, that's exactly what's going to happen on March 14th. Jeff and I are inviting you to a special virtual date night where we're going to help you to really understand you and your spouse and why you guys have the dance that you do. Now, I know you probably step on each other's toes. We get it. We've been there. We've been married almost 30 years. But the dance, this tool with the Enneagram, poof, you are going to be so amazed at how much you're going to understand your all's dance and then how to correct it in a healthy way. So if this sounds intriguing to you and you want to see your marriage grow and flourish with grace and compassion and understanding, then grab your free ticket at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss out on this free opportunity. Again, it's yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash date night, and we cannot wait to see you there. Both exhausting and energizing, I think, at times. Yes. Because <laughs> um, they really connect to, when I do connect to my passions and my abilities and my strengths, it's right. so energizing. Mm. You know, I can feel it in my body. Yes. Um, but as soon as something goes wrong or I doubt myself or it's just like this, this shutting down to protect myself and, and shifting my attention to other people and how I'm affecting them. And, um, every once in a while, I want to just, I have this moment where I just want to shut down my whole Instagram and not do it anymore. And, um, yeah, it's just like, this is too much. I've never heard Beth say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. It's difficult. And I, I don't think I would have ever actually gotten to where I'm at had I not hired a marketing an Enneagram three <laughs> yes yes to like keep me going because otherwise my 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 drive goes up and down and up and down yes. and she's been there the whole time to help me keep it steady and encourage me in the whole from day one saying you have something to offer people want to hear what you have to say and like she said that so much that I started believing it yeah. eventually yeah <laughs> and sometimes I don't still well, yeah, um, but that's it's, the it's daily battle. Easier than ever. <laughs> yes. But yes. Well, yes. it's just like yes. the Instagram thing. Um, you know, sometimes our team will be like, you know, like get on and do some videos. And I'm like, who cares? You know, like my thought as a type nine is like, who's, <laughs> who wants to listen? Who's going to watch that? Yeah. hundred percent. And so, like, I'm going to bother people if I do this too much. Right? They're going to see my face so much and they're going to be annoyed. I don't want to do that. Yes. That's <laughs> that this common refrain. So, Darina, yeah. what has it been like for you? Because when I first met you, you were looking to get published and man, am I so proud of your tenacity and effort to get to where you are today with all the amazing books, best-selling books. But what has it been like one to start that and then to be where you are today? Well, goodness, starting a career, putting work out into the world takes a lot of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And so to open myself up to willingly open myself up Mm -hmm. to 
the possibility of criticism mm. was, and, and first even to deal with my own inner critic. Yes. So, you know, sure. that, that, you know, will anyone want to read these books? You know, what do you have to offer? Your platform doesn't look like most mm. of the authors that you know. It, does that really have merit? Um, you know, as a black woman, you're underrepresented in the Christian realm as well. So all of those things merging to press through that and say, continue to say yes to what God had called me to do. But I so agree with Michael that it's also while being vulnerable and opening myself up to criticism, it's also continued to be energizing, mm -hmm. especially working on material for children because you get so much just beautiful raw <laughs> realness yes. from children and it brings out that beautiful inner child that 51 year old me hasn't always paid attention to and mm. so it's a really sweet thing but it's a continued cycle yes. of are people going to criticize oh here's the next release oh what are people going to think and leaning back on the truth of the gospel and the truth of knowing that i'm doing what i'm called to do it, it is interesting Darina. i uh recently we were talking uh, about some of the concepts of uh, this new concept or approach to the Enneagram and a type eight was like, Oh man, I, I don't like that at all. And I, I said, well, you can be the first critical review on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a badge of honor for authors mm. to get that first one star review that, um, Ooh. you know, the, the big ones that we get are people fail to read the cover that this is a book that's going to talk about Jesus. They start reading like, wow, this book is really religious. Well, it says we, it on we the thought cover. you told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somehow you missed that, that right. very important part. But, but. <laughs> if there's anything that's going to shut me down faster than anything, it is either criticism or direct conflict about what I'm doing. Mm. Um, mm. That really is because it's taken so much energy to get going. So yes. we have problems with inertia. When we're at rest, it's like, oh, I don't know if I can get started again. But man, yes. once we get going, it's like, y'all better get out of the way. Here I come. Yes, that's right. And people don't realize how strong the type nines are when they're in motion. And that's what mm -hmm. I see with you guys. And I'm so thankful and proud of the work that you guys are doing. Well, for this next section, we're going to start adding parts to the Enneagram internal profile for the type nine. You can think of uh, your EIP as a team. You can think of it as a family. Whatever metaphor best fits your particular perspective. And so as a previous athlete, I always thought of mine as a team. And so we have team meetings in the morning. Like, who's going to lead the team? Who's going to quarterback today? Because uh, there are healthy ways of doing that and unhealthy ways of, that, of living that out. So in the same way, your EIP shines a light on the unique parts of your heart and reveals how they interpret and interact with the world. And if we go back to the core fear of a nine, which is being in conflict, tension, or discord, feeling shut out or overlooked and losing connection with others, there's a part of your heart that, as a child, deeply desired connection with your parents, with authority figures, with siblings. In order to stay connected, you had to keep a low profile and be low maintenance to minimize your presence in order to maintain peace. The result was that for nine, sometimes they become overlooked, they become invisible to others, and sadly, they lose a sense, lose touch with who they are, what their desires, needs, opinions, and passions are. 
We call this the wounded child, and it continues to believe that it's not okay for you as a type 9 to exert yourself, or assert yourself, I should say. Can you share a story from your childhood that reveals what it was like for you as that wounded child part of your own heart? Or if you can think of a specific moment and describe what feelings arose when your wounded child was making itself known, uh, even in your life today? Mine isn't so much a story as it is a reflection Hmm. that I am the second of five children in my family. And I think, you know, my sister and I are 16 months apart, so we were always the older two. Mm-hmm. So I, I never quite felt like the classic middle child. We were kind of lumped together. Um, she was a classic firstborn type A. And I, I visibly recall, again, being kind of in that position in my family where I had a dominant, super talkative, kind of politician-style older sibling. And then I had younger siblings who were super dynamic. And I was always kind of content to be a step back. You know, like, I'll let them speak up. I'll let them interact with people. And, and if I have to, I'll, uh, okay, I'll do what I need, what's needed. But I'm, I'm okay to let them sort of shine. And, and again, thinking through that aspect of upbringing in a very happy, connected, loving, affirming family, but always just being okay with, yeah, they, they like mm-hmm. to dominate. They like to take the lead. So I'm totally fine letting them do that. Do, um, do you find, because uh, as I think about uh, your, this season in your life and being married to a type A, being sort of the role of first lady, and it, do you find yourself doing that as well within the church and family? It definitely was easier to do in the in our early years, especially because we had very young children. And so there mm-hmm. were just physically things, you know, nursing them and some of those things. And because my husband was in mm-hmm. that pastoral role, you know, there were just those necessary times where it was him out front. But again, yeah. I was quite okay with that and took a lot of right. pride in having that that supportive role and, and have found so much strength. You know, I mean, certainly mm-hmm. biblically, God is hel- our helper, you know. And so, you know, it's not a, a role of weakness, but it, there has been times where I've gone and Chris has literally said, it is time for you to be out front. I want to carry your bags. I am, you know, like fanning your flame. And I'm right. like, oh, Okay. <laughs> All right. That's well, I, right. I'm, I'm good with this, but oh, it's kind of that slow. Okay, because yes. my tendency yeah. is to uh, yeah, pump great. other people up and be that mm. support role. And when you've done it's, it for so long, it's like that's what I know. It's like this. It's like uncomfortable, and yet, wow, this is. It's it's nice, but it's not nice. Like, oh, this is nice. It's <laughs> more like wow, like I'm being seen for the gifting that I have, and. Mm-hmm. Um, Others are get that get to hear it, you know, all these things that have been kind of bottled up forever. Um, but Jarena, like that kind of, you know, I'm I'm happy to pull back and not be seen. How how has that also been a sad or a negative for you? You know, part that's kind of wounded that is like, gosh, you know, I, I really have felt overlooked. You know, I've tried to bring the peace and not cause more discord, and in that people have overlooked me or not seen me. Yes, there's certainly been, I mean, as I can think in the church context, there have certainly been times where I wish I would have spoken into something. Um, Mm -hmm. Later on, I'm the queen of going, man, I wish I would have spoken up and said that. But I 
I, again, I'm fine to let other people do it and I'll sit back and reflect. Um, and so following those promptings and not doing that, um, not leading back when I feel God is saying, no, speak into that or step up, step into that role. You don't always have to let other people do that. You can be that mm-hmm. one to step into it. Um, so it's, you know, and I, I so love how you brought the analogy of, of the different sides of us, because you think you're at war with yourself, but it's really that you're right. having to learn there is a place for you. And there are times where you need to be the one to step up and not always automatically step back and expect other people to, to step into it. Michael, mm-hmm. what about you? Um, what keeps popping up for me is this sort of, uh, it's like a memory I have and I've, and I've sort of explored this with my therapist and a couple like it, but it's not a, it's a very vague memory. And what stuck with me isn't exactly what happened. It's my experience of the memory. It was very, very young, five or six years old in my dad's office. And even when I go back and look at the memory and try to recall it, it almost feels like I'm in the corner all by myself and the corner yeah. smaller and it's in a dark cave and everybody is over there in the bright lit together. And I'm kind of alone and if I left, nobody would care. Kind of like this sort of, like, I don't know, it's it's hard to describe, but it's like this visceral experience of being in this kind of dark corner that when checked out, disconnected from everybody. Um, and I think I felt that a lot growing up. Like, I mean, I'm sure if I went back and looked at it, if I saw the actual memory, it would, it would not look like that. I mean, I'm sure that I would, they were involved with me and watching mm-hmm. me and seeing me. But my experience at the moment was just that I was not being seen and, and I was not connected and I was sort of uh, uh, like they could care less about yeah. me over here. Just a lot of memories yeah, are kind Michael. of tainted with that. I'm, I'm curious, and, and Beth, you might be able to comment on this as well, that I, I do wonder <clears throat> if nines in some way experience themselves being observers of their life, mm. where things are happening around them, but they're sort of outside of it. Yeah, I mean, I would say that could be very true. I know for me, um, well, I would say we're very much observers. We're trying to think and see through everyone's viewpoint and, you know, what's happening. So like if someone's upset, well, they might be upset because of this, or it might be this, or, well, I understand them here and I get them here and trying to, again, remain in that um, unrealistic world, making it ideal. Um, You know, like for me, you know, my, I remember one specific time my brother came home from college and like Michael, like you said, man, if I could just be back there in that real moment, it would be totally different than how I felt in the moment. But I remember we went out to dinner and, you know, of course my parents are like asking all the questions and hearing all the stories and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But then I thought in the middle of dinner, I thought, I wonder if I just don't say anything, Mm -hmm. if they'll ever ask me about what's going on in my life. And then it never happened. And it was like, see, I know, it, my life doesn't matter, or I don't matter. Now, if you knew my parents, you would know that is not true. They love and they adore me. But that's what I want people to recognize is that the that our mind, our personality has these false beliefs that they think is real and true. Mm-hmm. And we'll think of it's real and true forever when we're misaligned, when we're living out of that wounded child. But now my beloved child can step in and say, Beth, that's not true. You are loved and cherished. Now, 
some people grow up in families or have relationships that that actually might be true, hmm. but it doesn't mean that through Christ it's true. Through Him, we matter. We're important. He created us. And so we want to bring the beloved child back online to help the wounded child to go, that thought process is not helpful and neither is it true. Um, but yeah, I think all nines have these feelings and these thoughts that what if I just sat here quietly? I don't think anyone would would care. And a lot of times, this is what's really interesting, and I'd love to hear if this is true for you guys. Someone could just talk and talk and talk. It's almost like we have a sign on our head that says, please dump your entire life story on me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they do. And we're sitting there and we're engaged. We're listening. We're like empathetic, you know, asking great questions. But do they ever ask us mm. and listen to us at the same way in return? For me, it's almost never. Mm. What about you guys? That's a that's a belief that it's easy to get stuck in to me for sure. Like yes. assuming that. And I think I have friends nowadays that I am working on believing yes. <laughs> that yes. they care about me as much as I care about them. I have to like tell myself over and over. And there's been a few times where I like they've whenever they're like, Hey Michael, what about this? Or they'll ask me something, I'm like <gasps> Like that, wow, you you want to ask me that? That's cool. But it's it's when I'm deep in that place, what I can do is check out from the conversation and not bring myself and not like, all I'm doing is responding. I'm not bringing any of myself, which is which leads to this almost not like giving people permission to not care as much about me. Like, I don't, I don't like demand it. I don't make myself known. And so it's almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy in my own head at its worst. Well, let's take just a quick moment to shift from the wounded child and into the beloved child. So the beloved child is that part of our main type, type nine, that gets in alignment with the truth of the gospel. What we long for as type nines is that our presence matters. And the greatest thing is that Christ displayed this fully because he left his throne lived a perfect life, was beaten, betrayed, died, and rose again, all to bring us back into right relationship with him. If that doesn't say we matter to him or to anyone, I don't know what else can, right? And so what's true is that we matter. And we don't we we what we do is we tend to hoard our gifts and abilities from others, thinking it doesn't matter, but they do matter. So we need to give it away. So I'd love just to hear from you guys um because you really are living, and I know that you're like me, work, this is a constant battle day in and day out, but you're living really in a season of beloved where you're showing up, it's hard work, you're feeling your passions and desires, you're moving forward, you have setbacks, but you continue to align your heart. What has that been like for you? And can you describe to people what that fuller part of the nine looks like? I can describe some of what it looks like, but also what it feels like, my own experience of it. I have this mm-hmm. memory of... Uh, uh, it's, I think about this all the time. This was huge for me. I had been sort of telling myself, meditating on this fact that I belong, I'm important, I can show up, just like being very regular with that. And then something clicked one day with a client. Um, I'd seen her for several months and we were talking and she she's an eight, this very intense woman, mm-hmm. a lot of respect for her. She's She was incredible. And she joked and said, one of these days when I won't need to see you as my therapist anymore, that's going to be sad. And then she started crying, like for Aww. real. And I was completely take like, wait, what? And then it clicked, like, you care about me too. 
And then, uh-huh. and it shifted. I, I felt different in my body. I felt bigger. I felt stronger. I looked down. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm an adult right now. Like I'm an adult wearing adult clothes. It, it yes. felt, <laughs> I physically felt right. bigger. Like I was taking up more space and it was the most right. unbelievable experience. It's like, wow, maybe this is what other people feel like at times, especially eights to like yeah. know that I'm yeah. here. And, <laughs> but it was, it was such a cool experience to just not just believe it in my head, but just to embody that, like, I really matter to this person and I'm important to this person. And it was, it, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and did you feel like almost like this ability to kind of open yourself up and allow the gifts that you have stored up or hoarded just mm-hmm. pouring out? Yeah, because when I when I when I live out of that place, there's so yes. much of myself that I offer, that I share, that I bring mm-hmm. to the table. Um, like, I mean, it's like, oh, this person on this thing that I teach. Oh, they want to be here. They want to learn from me. And mm-hmm. so when I can believe that more, it's like more of myself comes out, more of my wisdom comes out, more of what I do with clients. When I was writing my course, somebody was helping me, and it was about like advice for each for a therapist for each number. And I said something like, "Oh no." Um, that's just what I do. Um, I don't want to write that. And she was like, wait, what? What do you mean? It's like, oh, that's just what I do with clients. We don't need to write that. She's like, that's literally why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, oh, yes. okay. Oh, <laughs> oh you're yeah, right. And great. so I was like, okay. And I just, this shift in my mind to like, here's what I've done with clients. Here's what works. And I don't think I would have ever even added that to my course because right. I would have never even thought of it, which sounds yes. wild, but it was, yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Serena, what about you? What's it been like for you to live in that kind of beloved space? Oh, well, it's believing that my worth is, um, as you so powerfully reminded us, that it is because of the relationship that I have with Christ, that it's not tied to my performance. And um, I I had the sweetest reminder, again, getting to write for children is such a, Mm -hmm. a very precious gift. And yesterday I read at a local school, and as the kids were leaving at this particular school, I've been there before. And so I'll kind of stand as they exit out of the gymnasium and I'll have my hand up and they'll, you know, go by and high five. And, and mm-hmm. then some of the boys, of course, and they want to get, you know, like, <laughs> boom, let's see if we can make your hand jerk. And, you know, like it becomes this big thing. Yeah. But as they were leaving, several of the children said, you did a great job. And then one or two said, I liked your story. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was like, if these sweet little people knew what that does to my heart to mm. hear them say, you did a great job. Like, what a mature thing for a child to say to an adult. But also, you know, kids are, are real. They haven't gotten yeah. those filters that, you know, right. that we get later where right, we say right. things that may not be <laughs> entirely true, but we it's what we feel is a nice thing to say. Kids just, they say what they think. And so... It just, later on when I thought about it, I thought about the experience of reading to them and the joy and the energy that I felt, and the gratitude to be back in schools with yeah. walking through a pandemic. But that kept coming back up in my mind, what that felt like to me. It was like those children that specifically said that, said to me that I mattered. Yes. Mm-hmm. And exactly. that felt really good. And to be able to sit in that and go, I didn't ask them to do that. Again, it wasn't about performing. It wasn't about earning anything. I, my worth is is validated already. So this is not um, contingent upon that. But how beautiful it felt to hear these children say that they connected with my story, but to say to me, you did a good job. 
And right. so, um, again, that's the, the, and, and I was able to just interact with it and go, it's, that's because that's how God wired me. And so yeah. that he knows, <laughs> he knows that every once in a while in this journey of trying and hustling and is it, is it worth it, God? Is anyone getting it? Is it connecting? Yes. And then you get those few little children who say something like that and you go, yes, I matter. Yes. Oh, thank you, God. Yes, that's but it was great. so sweet. For you guys, I was just curious, um, are words of affirmation important? And I'm not talking about flattery, but so for someone to see what you've done, even if it's something small or big, and kind of recognize it, it doesn't even have to be this big affirmation. It's just a recognition or um, gratitude or or an affirmation. What What is that like for you guys? For me, it's getting easier to accept. I used to not be able to because there was so much dissonance in how I saw myself compared like to with what they were saying to me. And so I didn't even like it. It was an uncomfortable experience, but mm -hmm. getting better at kind of owning that and taking a deep breath and receiving it intentionally. And I, I even have a, a love box. I call it on my phone. Mm -hmm. That if I, anybody says anything nice or types in or sends a nice message, I screenshot it and I put it in my love box just to remind me of all the people that I impact. And sometimes I'll go back and read it because I need that reminder. Right. Um, well, and it and feels that's, so good. Yes, for us and right. those that are related to nines or no nines, we don't see ourselves very well. We don't know ourselves very well. We don't really know our gifts and talents. We do deep down, but we hide it from even ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so yes. we need people to mirror back to us the good that we are, how we're showing up in the world. Um, I tell people it's kind of like a greyhound track in a racetrack. And we're the greyhounds and that rabbit is either affirmations or, Hey, this is what I see good in you. This is what God is doing in your life. And I'm like, you like that? Oh, dude, I can do that all the time. Here I go, you know, and I'll just keep, and, and it's not that I'm chasing after affirmations, but it's like, I enjoy giving what I love to give and seeing it blossom and help others. Mm -hmm. And when someone reflects that back to me, Man, I'll I'll keep going it all day long, and it will bring me so much joy. Yeah, Dorita, what about you? In words of affirmation? Yes, you know, I, I don't know if it ever has impacted me as much as it does in this season. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't have said that that was was huge for me. You know, in terms of like the love languages are just you know mm -hmm. people say kind or affirming things to you what that does to you it's like well i know i mean i i'm good i'm good uh -huh. but uh -huh. boy now it, it's 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 like someone is putting you know water on on a thirsty flower you know yeah. i mean that's literally what it feels like and i'm gonna take your suggestion michael and make a, yeah, love, a, a love box um <laughs> i i feel like i remember them here but but it, mm -hmm. it would be much better for me to have them collected somewhere so that i can go back um, and, and I've often said to people, you know, you never, the power of encouragement is, is something because you never know what that person mm. is going through. And I know there, there have been times where the, the, you know, inner critic and that wounded child is just having it. It's just not good. And mm. so God will just bring along a message or something that seems random, but because I walk with God, I know it's not random. And it just yes. reminds me how much that means mm -hmm. for me and my type, but just in general, like just to tell someone yeah. that you've been blessed, as you said, Beth, by the work that you labor so hard to put out there. Um, so yeah, I think the words of affirmation this season have become even more powerful. Well, you were alluding to it a little bit, Dorina, but so let's, uh, 
add a few more parts to this, and let's talk about the Type 1 wing. Now, one of the unique things that we're doing is that oftentimes when people talk about wings, they talk about either or. So, And they often describe themselves almost like a subtype Mm -hmm. of a 9, that I'm a 9 with a 1 wing. And usually, beyond the basics of the Enneagram, you get into the idea that you operate out of both wings, but uh, EIP stresses this as a way in which to have a relationship with this wing, that it, it plays more of a role than you may expect, and it shows up in different ways, it shows up in different orders, um, and it shows up in both healthy and unhealthy ways. So let's talk about the one wing first. Um, now, it's we're not saying that nines become a one, but some of the aspects or characteristics of the type one play a role in the type nine's life. Now, it can look at like um, trying to merge, but being critical of themselves because they can't be good enough. I'm not enough is kind of the message of their one way. I'm not doing it right. But at times, it can help. Uh, nines become more singular focused, more principled, uh, have stronger boundaries in their relationships with other people. How does your one wing show up both as a way of helping the wounded child, which would mean unhealthy ways, or from the beloved where uh, it's actually showing up in healthy ways? For me, the uh, uh, the unhealthy ways that that one can show up, that wounded part is is this these why can't I just phrases that I t- tell myself, yes. like why can't I just do this? Why can't I just get over this? Why can't I just stop being afraid? Why can't I just? Why can't I just? <laughs> a lot of that. You know, you know, it's it's interesting. We talk a little bit about naming these parts, and mm-hmm. one, it helps to differentiate, sort of like differentiating from an emotion. I feel sad, and I also feel safe. Mm-hmm. But I can feel both things, and I know that that sadness may pass. Well, the idea of this part, it, sometimes I, I call my inner critic Buddy, because he always begins with, but what about this, but what about this, but what about this, but what about this? <laughs> and I first called him Butthead, which is a negative name for a resource that I've been using for mm-hmm. the vast majority of my life, but... But the why didn't you, the, it almost can give you an inclination to understanding its name or to understanding its pattern, its mm-hmm. feelings. It's, does that always leads to shame? The why question is the very shaming question, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why can't I just or should? Those kinds of things yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. That pops up a lot. And that's, that's more uh, seeing that more and how it plays out directly in my life in the last few years. But, um, I think as far as like the positive side of one, that healthier part is, is like this importance of as a nine, I can easily, I can easily like, uh, just cut corners. I don't need to work hard at it. It'll be fine. It'll fix itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, right. the one to see like this won't fix itself, the right thing to do, the sort of disciplined thing to do is to get this done. And it will actually give me the comfort that I want more <laughs> than yes. ignoring it. And so sort of like tapping right. in that, like the reality of, of the situation and how I need to make a choice and I need to do, do something, which is, I mean, my, my wife's a one and she will do what she said she was going to do no matter what. And it's un- <laughs> incredible. And yes. I do, and she just like, does it's, yeah, it's hard for her to see how hard that is for me, but I'm like, I need to do this. I don't want to, but right. I need to, cause it's important. Like connecting yes. with that part of me is mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. important. Yeah. <laughs> 
Darina, how does your one wing show up in both healthy and unhealthy ways? Well, Beth, you really almost took the words out of my mouth. The unhealthy way is is that inner critic, you know, I'm not doing it right. You know, I have, and, and usually it's based off of a uh, comparison or off of a, a template that I'm trying to borrow from someone else. So it's already faulty because it's not the lane for me, but I've set myself up to unrealistic expectations. And so that perfectionist side of, okay, I, you know, I, and, and it, it's tricky because it comes from this very healthy place of wanting to have a drive for excellence, wanting to offer mm-hmm. the best, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, I left to go to that school visit with plenty of cushion, not knowing that um, there was going to be a road closure. I had no way of knowing that. So now I've got to take a different route. So then I feel all this, oh my gosh, what are they going to think about me? Are they going to think I'm irresponsible? Darina, just take the new route and you (laughs) gave yourself cushion. So you're actually okay. And then you get there Mm -hmm. and you were earlier than you needed to be. And, you know, that was this morning. So that's all that, you know, and I'm like, I'm sure my heart rate, if that was at the doctor, they'd be like, Miss Williamson, you know, um, your, your heartbeat is, but I'm finding in this season that that's that, that's the wounded child of all of a sudden I start going to worth and it's, it's just about getting somewhere with cushion early. Right. So it's just realigning that and saying, okay, you've never met these people and you're not going to be late. So first of all, sisters, just calm yourself down. Just be all right. You can't control that. It's all right. And, um, and then getting there and then, you know, executing what, what God called me to do and, and realizing that, um, you know, I got to come and plant some seeds and and not, so that perfectionist eye that I've, I've got to do it right every time or else I'm just derailed. You know, it's like, Oh, let's, let's not, Let's not go to mm-hmm. either of those. Lines. Let's stay right in that alignment of, of yeah. knowing my worth and, and knowing my, my calling and, and walking in confidence. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for sharing about your one wings. But let's also talk about the type eight wing, which I so often um, have nines that are like, oh, I don't have any eight in me. And I'm like, yes, you do. Um, I think uh, nines... Uh, are so afraid of having what they perceive as an eight inside them um, because eights are strong and, you know, we call them snow plows. They plow a path, whether for someone or at someone. Um, and they're like, Oh, that's not me. And I'm like, no, it really is. There's a part of you um, that has the type eight and eights, you know, bring us uh, sociability, engaging, they're expressive. They help us to be independent and confident um, when we're using it from a misaligned place, we can become uh, stubborn, passive aggressive, defensive, um, and we can kind of push our desires in ways that aren't maybe as strong as an eight because we're still a nine. We're still functioning out of the core mo- motivations of a nine, but we can mistreat people in a way that seems more palatable uh, for others to get what we want. Um, but when we're operating the beloved child, Man, that eight wing is a force of nature. Like we said, it um, operates out of a gut instinct of our passions. It brings clarity uh, to what we want or what our calling is. But we do it with this gentle, powerful strength. Uh, We assert ourselves in ways that um, people feel that we champion them um, and we don't back down and we care deeply about how others are being treated and we are willing to step in the gap to make sure that others feel heard and seen and appreciated. 
Um, so the eight wing is so powerful within us. I, um, when I think of the healthy side of the type eight wing in me, I envision an elephant. So elephants are my favorite animal. And I feel like, you know, I feel like an elephant because they're so peaceful and they're communal, but man, if an elephant is charging, you better darn well get out of the way <laughs> because they are coming. They're coming with force. Um, but what I love about elephants, and this uh, team member of ours gave me a picture of um, an elephant herd and the lead elephant in the front and everyone behind her. And I love that image because they gave it to me, you know, leading YEC. And it was just such a beautiful reminder to myself that I. I do have a lot of strength and I need to bring that strength to lead my team well, which can then lead a lot of other people back to the gospel in the ways that we do with YEC. And that's such a beautiful example. But the part of my nine self, when it's wounded, it just wants to hide. It wants to give up. And so I love my type eight wing because she gives me the strength and the stamina to go forward so I'd just love to hear from you guys. How does your eight wing show up in misaligned ways and then also aligned ways? Um, for me, it definitely shows up in, in misaligned when it's, I get into this kind of, I want it all and I want it now kind of this like <laughs> intensity of the eight, this like, I, I need all of it. I won't be okay unless I get this impatience and this, um, yeah, it can, the intensity can be good or bad, but it's like this very self-centered, I will do whatever I need to get what I want. I will just lie or not tell anybody or not ask permission or whatever. It's very, mm -hmm. it's very interesting when that comes out, but it can get me into trouble. Um, but it, I mean, and your, can also, your twin brother is an eight. He's an eight. Yes. And so I learned all that from him, of course, <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, he's, he's more purely that way than me, but um, um, yeah, that's sort of, I want it all. And I want it right now is uh, to mm -hmm. me, it seems like a, it just mm -hmm. like forgetting the consequences, not thinking about the consequences, not caring about who I might hurt later on because I'm not hurting anybody in the moment, or at least they don't know about it. So I don't feel that conflict and kind of feels like mm -hmm. I can get off scot-free when I'm in that place. Um, but I think the, the more aligned side is this uh, two years ago, I picked this kind of word of the year, but I cheated and did two words. Um, Cause uh -huh. I get to do what I want. That's the eight wing. <laughs> um, and I, the fierce compassion is what I use. Like this kind of, like, I remember that, like talking to my daughter, my daughter saying, I'm so stupid and saying like, I will not let you talk to yourself that way. Like not yes. like this very intense, like I refuse to let you say that to yourself. I refuse that you believe that. I know just sort of intensity and uh, ferocity in my compassion for people, like for mm -hmm. clients telling them what they might need to hear, even if it's going to be uncomfortable um, or, or calling people to more than what um, they think they are um, in this very powerful um, way, I think can be the more aligned side. That's one of the ways it can look. Serena, what about you? Mm, I love that calling people to 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 more of who they are. It's, oh, that resonated so powerfully. I'm like, yes, Good. and amen. Oh my gosh. Um, yes, when I'm when I am misaligned, the wounded child is definitely irritable. Mercy, yes, um, defensive. Um, I do not like to be disrespected. Um, so uh, it's like, oh no. Oh no. And I'll tell my kids, you know, I'll, I'll joke if my daughter says she had a hard day. I'm like, do I need to come beat somebody up? And she yep. looks at, she's going to look like mom. You just say that. You're not going to come beat somebody <laughs> up. And I'm like, but don't mess with my kid. Like, wait yes. a minute now. Um, yes. uh, Darina, do your kids have a name for that? For when you show up like that as a mom? 
the I don't, nickname. I don't think they do, but they just give me that look like, mm, <laughs> yeah, mom, that's really nice. You're not going, right. you're not going to yes. come beat somebody up. And then Chris is like, but y'all, like, but she could. So y'all, <laughs> she would, she would, uh, she uh, would. So in the TikTok play. space, there's a, that's one of them. Like you know, like a Chihuahua may never kill you, but they could. And then it shows like an, a Chihuahua giving an evil eye. And that's true for all nines. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. they would never harm you, but they might. But it, but it all comes back to seeing others being um, overlooked yes. or marginalized yes. or treated poorly mm-hmm. i mean you want to set off a nine and now you may not see it they might be hiding it down deep within them but they are angry when they oh, see yeah. that now some some mm-hmm. with the eight wing will push forward or a strong one wing will will speak into that injustice mm-hmm. and do something about it and mm-hmm. that for sure is and it's a beautiful thing because we want mm-hmm. everyone to have um, to be heard, to be seen, and to be delighted in. That's right. That's mm. exactly right. And and so knowing the, the the motivation behind that, and just doing that well. I mean, that's when when I'm aligned, I'm taking that force, and and yeah. it, it's being. I mean, that's used what your books good. are. Yes, being used for good and being done in a way that is healthy, that is healing. Um, because I again, the motivation is is such a good one. It's it's like doing the right thing the right way, not the wrong way. Yeah. Mm. And just right be action. very deliberate about that. Yeah. Well, do we want to dive into the last two parts? That's right. That yeah. sounds, that'd be great. So the last two parts of the of EIP are the paths, and that's where the two lines that go from each number connecting with other connecting types. And for the type nine, it's type three and type six. Um, so for the type three shows up for type nines in a variety of different ways, both healthy and unhealthy ways. Uh, sometimes the message of the the false message of the type three that you're only as good as your last success shows up as the nine. Like I'm only as good as the last time that I was able to accommodate and make people happy. Um, or it could really be one of this uh, another source of energy towards efficiency and productivity to go and to actually seek out to accomplish a goal. And so it's sort of like a another. Uh, power engine for the type nine to keep going. Uh, mm-hmm. It can be a reminder to the type three to invest in yourself, to invest in your calling. Um, and then, you know, sometimes with the type three, it can show up in negative ways where they want to blind themselves to their own sense of uh, uh, worth and identity and emotions and all those different things that uh, lie below the surface uh, for the type three. So uh, for for yourselves, how does your type three show up in the misaligned on behalf of the misaligned wounded child, but also how does it show up in the aligned beloved? Yeah, so for me, that 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 um, sort of wounded part of the three comes out when I'm when I'm when I'm disconnected from myself, and so much of my focus is on others and what they want from me, and I'm this there's this performance like I'm so good at knowing what you want to hear, and I'll yes. say that to you just to kind of make you happy right. and to make you like me. And it's such, it can be such a performance and it can get exhausting. Um, but it's like, yeah, when I'm disconnected from myself, I just naturally, cause it's an attempt to use that to gain connection, to keep connection with people. Right. Right. Um, and it's risky to not do that <laughs> to own. Right. Yeah. And so that, that's probably the, the biggest part of the three that comes out to me, this, this performing mask wearing kind of giving you what you want. Um, and then I think that the the best part of that that three that can come out of me is just the energy that I can bring to my my 
I just like my Instagram, my website, my teaching courses to people all across the world. Just like my voice matters. People want to listen to this. And so I'm going to go after it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to believe that people Mm -hmm. want to hear this Mm -hmm. and people will pay money to hear this and people Mm -hmm. will support me. And, um, I remember when, uh, my wife got diagnosed with cancer. Um, and then I, a few weeks into it, we getting things figured out. I post on my Instagram, like, Hey everybody, this is happening. I'll probably take a break. And I got dozens and dozens and dozens of messages. And then some, I remember like reading them on my deck at like midnight that night, just like laying down on my deck in my backyard, just reading them and thinking like, people care about me, not just mm-hmm. like what I put out there. Like people value me, not just my mm-hmm. content. And it just blew me away. But I feel like that's that three energy of like, what I have to say matters. And so I'm going to go after it. Yeah. And um, yeah. When I'm you just, did, you persevered mm-hmm. even through all mm-hmm. of those trials. You mm-hmm. step. You continue to have content and courses, and I, you know, <clears throat> as one nine to another, kind of in the same space, was just so proud <clears throat> and knowing how hard and difficult. Because I mean, it's just hard and difficult to do it anyway. Let alone having your spouse go through all that treatment and stuff. Yeah. So, I just really want to, you know, honor how God used you in that space to persevere, even when it was so difficult. So thank, thank you. you. It almost felt like I, I had to in that moment. Something clicked. My therapist said when I first found out, how are you going to take care of yourself? And I remember like, oh, I can do that. I need to do that. Right. Yes. And just like, I, I, if I don't take care of myself and meet my needs and work after what I want, then I cannot support my family and this whole thing's mm-hmm. going to be intolerable. Like, it just almost felt like I had to. I was like, oh, I can. Yes. <laughs> and that's actually helpful for us nines, right? To mm. help us to get unstuck is is deadlines or things that we have to do. And yet we know that that's the good, right thing, the right action that Mm -hmm. we need. And once we do it, we're like, you know, that's hard, but it was a blessing. Um, Mm -hmm. So Darina, what about you? How does the three show up in uh, unhealthy, misaligned ways and then aligned ways? Oh, unhealthy is absolutely in people pleasing. Um, Boy, that's just a lifelong journey of, of unpacking and, I think it's not only tied to um, the way that God wired me, but, you know, being a preacher's kid as well, you know, um, in a Baptist mm-hmm. context, there was a lot of that. You're, you're an example wow. to people. And so you think, oh, and I'm a rule follower. So it's kind of like, yeah, I want to be an example. and I'm going to follow the rules. And then at least right. there's that performance base. And again, not believing the gospel. So you take good things and you begin to, lie to yourself and think that that is attached to your worth. And Mm. so getting free of all Uh of that and letting God remind you that you are beloved. And again, that you don't have to to please people. You don't have to shrink back and you don't have. I'm curious about this. Do do you ever find like that, like you can feel that come on, like you're about to put the mask on Uh or. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I also think as y'all were talking, I think that, the healthy part of, of anticipating the needs of others, you know, something that I've prided myself in, you know, I can mm-hmm. think, I bet you that's what they need. Or like you said earlier, I think, Beth, when someone is unloading and you've got to talk to me. And boy, Chris and I have joked about <laughs> how I, that is always on my forehead. Like I attract just the, I just yeah. want to unload. Um, and But I'm already thinking, oh, you're probably this and you're probably that. And so I'm, I'm used to, I'm wired. I'm a mom. Like I know how to anticipate the needs yes. and take care of everyone. But then you look up and you go, but I haven't taken care of myself. Yeah. And other people, even people close to me may not have taken care of me because I seem okay. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not even owning 
what my needs well, we, are. Sometimes, most of the time, us nines don't even know when we're not okay. Exactly. Like, we're just going through life, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I'm not okay. You know, and it just it, yeah. it surprises us even. It um, does. It does. <laughs> so, again, part of the beloved child is, is small things like, yes, I'm going to schedule a massage for myself. And, yes, I'm going to mm-hmm. block out this time to do something that I enjoy doing. And I'm going to let my husband know that this is what the schedule needs to look like for this day. And there's no anticipating anyone's needs today but mine. Yeah. And that's what needs to happen for me to be healthy. And knowing mm-hmm. that he will absolutely be totally fine with that. But I just have to vocalize that yeah. and not yeah. give that assumption that all is well and I'm coasting when in fact I'm not because I'm so busy trying to please everybody and take care of everyone else um, that I'm not also taking care of myself. And remember, that's yeah. a gospel yeah. issue. You know, there's so much yeah. about culture and being a female and all the things wrapped up in that. But um, really knowing that I'm beloved and I don't have to, I don't have to please other people at the point of losing myself. Yeah. Well, we're so thankful for both of you sharing. Now, this next part of this segment is <laughs> uh, pretty awesome because we all know that nines at their best look like sixes and sixes <laughs> i'm not sure how the world would function without us this is coming from we, a biased uh, we make the type world six go <laughs> <clears throat> no yeah so let's dive into the last eip part for type nines which is the type six now when misaligned we can get really worried we can get you know frustrated irritable we have a lot of self-doubt dread all the anxieties rise because we're thinking of all the potential things that could happen. Our mind is racing. We want to start blaming others um, and try to get things back into control. Um, We can get suspicious also of others and their loyalty towards us and really fear that maybe people are going to abandon us, especially if there's conflict or tension. But when we use the six in a healthy way, when we're following the beloved part, man, they give us so much clarity. God gives us clarity and strength and uh, self um, awareness. It also they are the most courageous on the enneagram, so they give us the ability to be courageous in life's challenges. Instead of us nines going, "Oh, I'm out too much," um, it gives us that tenacity to move forward, uh, to be loyal and cooperative, to be more of a team uh, versus kind of you know on our own. Um, so I would love to hear from you guys how the type six uh, shows up, both uh, misaligned, following the wounded child, or beloved. Uh, following it when it's aligned um the misaligned part for sure i can i can be you spoke to it a little bit very suspicious of other people's motives very suspicious of what they want from me and why they're doing what they're doing and do they have ulterior motives and um my head spinning about what could go wrong um especially when i try something new because no, normally i don't as a nine do anything new so when i do all these worries <laughs> like what if this goes wrong what happens if i did this and i think of few years ago, my wife and I built this terraced garden in our, our yard, this mm. big hill that we just couldn't mow because it was he- steep. So we like cut out and dug out and made this terrace garden with these like retaining walls. And I had nightmares about it falling over. It's like, this whole thing's going to fall over. It's not level. It's going to fall over. And it's like worrying about these things that like, it was done. I can't change anything about it anymore, but I can't stop thinking about what could go wrong. Um, it was just uncomfortable. <laughs> place yes. to be. Yes. <laughs> um, I just I'd get a taste of it. I can't even imagine what it'd be like to live in the head of a six all the time. I right. Cannot, I know it's exhausting, it. right? I could not do it. Um, <laughs> God bless I, you. I tell six, Beth she can't handle my, uh, my anxiety. Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, that's good. You can keep it. That's fair. Yeah. I can't <laughs> keep it. Um, um, that's funny. I feel like the, the, the best part of the six, I think is when I can, um, 
um, I don't know. I, so I wrote down, I was taking notes, just sort of like less accommodating while still staying loyal and true to what I want. Kind of like, I just it came a point on my Instagram account where I had so many people messaging me all the time. And it was like this, I have to message everybody. Like, I don't have to. If you're upset about it, like, then that's okay. Or, or maybe I can trust that you don't expect the world from me and I'm not giving it to you. I'm disappointing mm-hmm. you somehow. To, and then it's okay to not, to not respond, to not accommodate everybody um, and still move forward to move forward without. Yeah. And trusting that I can, if something pops up that I didn't see, or if somebody does get upset with me because I'm not accommodating, then I still have what it takes to keep moving forward. It's not going to crush me. It's not going to ruin everything because that like that courage, right? Like knowing that things could go wrong, but still moving forward. Um, and realize, yeah, it's in sort of looking forward to the future of what sometimes to intentionally look what could go wrong is very helpful for me. And I think I can see that as the best of the six, that six part of instead of it'll be fine. I need to worry about it. The, my problems will solve themselves. But like, here's what happens in my life. If I don't mm-hmm. look at these things, I need yes. to pay attention to that. That's important. Yep. yep. And being in reality. Yes. 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 And, yes. Like you said, <laughs> instead of. Oh, I think it's going to be fine. We had a friend who is a type nine and they were on vacation in Florida and a hurricane was literally coming their way. And we were like, guys, do you need to leave and come back home? You know, like, and he's like, no, it's going to be fine. And I'm like, dude, I'm a nine too, but no, like, let's, (laughs) we got to be in reality here. Um, Yeah. So as nines, we definitely can try to hide from what's real, but nines are definitely going to see, see it right there. Darina, what about you? Oh gosh. So the, the dissatisfaction and and self-doubt when anxious for sure. Um, I I thought so much of, you know, the words that you shared about when we know we're, you know, the beloved child or we can have that courage to step into those, um, unfamiliar places, you know, out of our comfort zones. And, you know, it really helps me understand now years later, why it was so hard to, begin making the, the intentional steps towards publishing, you know, because I, I had, I'd already made a list before anyone gave me any rejections. I already made a list of all the hurdles, all the, it was almost like I was defeating myself before I'd even begun to give it a try. And I see now it was, it was that wounded child wanting to preserve myself and know that, um, yes, this is going to be hard, but to prepare myself and, and to, to sort of shrink wrap myself from the possibilities of hardship. And again, that, that wounded child, you know, filled with all of those doubts about what the unknown was going to look like mm-hmm. had to then get aligned with um, the God who calls me to walk by faith yep. um, and under reminding myself what faith is, you know, being sure of what I'm hoping for and certain of what I don't see. And that God is the one that's given me this call, not myself. So again, resting in, this was not my grand idea. I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to start writing books for children. God gave me these unexpected story seeds and I wrote them in my journal and they kept coming and he began to form something. And so my walking in alignment was saying, yes, you gave this to me and you have called me to walk it out. And now I need to start making those steps and not let the wounded child's, you know, doubts that just will become a big old boogie monster. <laughs> yes. Close the door, turn on the light. It's not true. And start making those steps and walk into the, into the unfamiliar. And then you begin walking and you go, well, this isn't that bad, actually. Okay, mm-hmm. Lord. You know, it's, un- it's, it's something I've not done, but 
there are lots of trailblazers that I can learn from and I just keep making those steps forward. So, um, so that's, that's been so clarifying, I think is, is really the word that coins up for me. It's clarifying, Mm -hmm. um, what it means to walk as that beloved child believing the truth instead of the wounded child who's so filled up with doubt that I'm immobilized. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap this up, but, you know, we'd like to think of this as like kids on a bus like we talked about. And is the beloved child driving the bus or are they in the back falling asleep and everyone else is panicking and trying to grab the steering wheel and using their misaligned uh, strategies that don't work? Um, They're trying their best, but they don't work. And reminding ourselves to bring the beloved child back, asking the Holy Spirit to work in and through us so that he is working in and through us in that driver's seat is so important. And I just want to kind of wrap up this and then we'll kind of get into the last bits is how I've used this for the last you know several years is so for the type nines, I've noticed for me, uh, there's a pattern. For me, it typically shows up with my type six part shows up first uh, because my nine wants peace and harmony. So my type six, I call her Wendy. She can either be worrying Wendy or wonderful Wendy. And Wendy's like, whoa, okay, hey, Beth, we're going to be doing this thing over here. But, you know, what? how is everyone going to feel? Is is Jeff going to be okay or happy? Do we need to accommodate or shift? Or like, what what's, what's going to happen? There, could there be anything that could go wrong? And so she's assessing the situation, trying to think of all the worst case scenarios to plan. And then I'm trying to accommodate. My nine is trying to accommodate and make everyone happy. Um, And then when that doesn't work, my type three part shows up and she's like, you're not good enough. You weren't good enough. You should have done more. You should have been more accomplished or achieved more. And now you've dissatisfied people. They're not happy enough. And my one will show up with more criticism that's a lot more um, right and wrong. Like you're a bad person or you're a bad wife or you're a bad mom. And you should have done this or that. So these two, the three and the one usually gang up on me um, and can really pound in that message, you know, of you're not good enough and you're bad. Um, And usually my eight wing gets fed up with all of this and she starts to try to plow over whether my one and my three or Typically, it's just my family. Um, no one else really sees this part of me that, you know, I'm trying to stand strong or like kind of like everyone back off or don't be critical of me or think bad of me. Um, and so she tries to like kind of plow a path for little Bethy, but she's plowing over people um, instead of plowing for people. And that usually only hurts and upsets those that are around me, um, even though it's funny because it's like my kids are like, Mom, because I always think of it like becoming the Hulk. And she's like, they're like, your Hulk is really small because I'm a nine, right? And so my energy, my anger is nothing compared to what a real eight um, can display. And But to me, it feels big, and but it can be damaging. And so when that happens and I see others are hurt or whatever, then my type one and my three come on even stronger. And that's when I usually withdraw and want to shut down because so much self-criticism and self-doubt and um yeah, self-condemnation really comes online. And that's when I need the beloved to wake up, to come back to the to the front of the bus and to guide me back into truth that, yes, there are times I'm going to make mistakes. I'm not going to get misaligned, but he makes us back in alignment. He restores us and reconciles us. And I can own uh, those mishaps and uh, sins and things that I've done because I know I'm safe in him, that my position in Christ, I'm his beloved no matter what. 
and I can come and rest in that, which allows my heart to overflow and allows all the parts to get back in alignment and I can restore relationships. So as nines out there that are listening, I just want you to know that it'd be great for you or if you're not a nine to think about when you're going through your EIP, how does this show up? Is there a pattern for you? And what does that pattern look like and how is it operating? And can we use those patterns to become aware and to alert ourselves before they, they have too much damage? Um, but then also, can we be aware of when the good is happening and praise God for all that's happening in the moment? Because us nine sometimes want to be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that great of a thing. And we don't have to be a focus on us, but we can praise God for what he is doing. So I just kind of want to wrap up with the work that I've done over the last few years to be very aware of how this is operating. Because then Jeff and I can also, I can say, yeah, I'm really worried right now. My sixth part is really coming online and here's kind of what's going on. And we can navigate that together, which is really powerful. Well, thank you so much to you both for uh, your vulnerability, your transparency, just your own understanding and the work that it's taken you, the diligence that it's taken to understand your own internal world. We are so grateful, and we know that nines out there are going to be incredibly grateful for Mm -hmm. you both as well, and for you, Bethy. I mean, Mm -hmm. man, to be able to articulate what uh, you just did about your own internal map, uh, that that has come at great cost, and you have broken up tons of new territory in your heart and overcome so much of the enemy's terrain in your heart. So uh, people are going to benefit, and we're grateful for that. So if, if you have a type 9 in your life or you know people who love type 9s, there's a lot of them out there, uh, be sure to share this episode with them. Uh, what we did today with our type 9s is Enneagram Coaching. And we'd love for you to personally experience this. You can do that by connecting with one of our certified coaches. You can go over to myenneagramcoach.com. And to learn even more about your AIP, you can pre-order our new book, More Than Your Number, on Amazon. Yeah, and join us next for the next episode where we're going to talk about Type 1's EIP and As always, we want you to join us on YouTube, like this video, and subscribe so you can watch all the other episodes that are to come. And lastly, as always, remember that the Enneagram reveals your need for Jesus, not your need to work harder. It's the gospel that transforms us. Thanks for joining us.